today on CityCast Boise. It's Friday, and I've got Blake Hunter and George Prentice with me to chat about the week's news. We're talking a surprisingly emotional mayoral forum, KTVB's recent debate, and why an editorial board endorsement is in need of a correction. Plus, our Hollow Weekend plans. It's Friday, October 27th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Blake. Hi, George. Hi. Hey, Emma. Let's jump right in because, Blake, I know last night you went to the, uh, you know, mayoral forum here at Trailhead. How did that go? What did you think? Yeah, so this was put on by the Boise Metro Chamber, um, and it was like a Boise Young Professionals event. Um, So it kind of had that bit of a twist on it. And I wanted to talk about it because it actually was very surprising. Um, So the first hour of it was like a city council member meet and greet. Um, Like nine out of the 10 city council candidates were there. And then all four of the mayoral candidates were there. And so they, they were there for an actual forum that was moderated by the Boise Young Professionals. The three of us certainly, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners have watched some forums, read some articles about this. We know most of the main talking points as far as specifically Mike Masterson, the main challenger to incumbent Lauren McLean. We, we kind of know the, the big hits, but this one really was interesting kind of from the get-go. There was a lot of the responses to a lot of the questions and even kind of the main plot points of this election were pretty tame. Like there was the, the criticism was pretty tame. Um, and then it got surprisingly very intimate <laughs> and very like emotional. So they, in true like job interview fashion, uh, one of the questions was like, tell us about a case of adversity um, that you've experienced and like how, you know, da, 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 how you would apply that to being mayor. And Mike Masterson goes first and starts telling a story about how he lost um, one of his kids uh, at like a very young age when he was living in Wisconsin. And, you know, he was a police sergeant at the time, uh, I believe in Madison, and um, was like watching his his two sons and including an 18 month old at the time when he like lost kind of lost track of him and um, he ended up like passing away. And there's the story is elsewhere, but it was a really interesting turn of events for, you know, a mayoral forum, because then he's he is talking about, you know, what I learned from that is that like life is based on friendships and tomorrow isn't promised. And then Mayor McLean starts crying and she tells a story about her son uh, being in a bike accident during uh, the last election, like in the height of the last election in in 2019 and her son being completely unconscious and like having to get helicopter to St. Al's and like tells this story. Uh, And then Joe Evans comes up, another candidate, and he tells about um, serving in Afghanistan and his kind of disillusionment with the American military and providing intelligence for and, you know, seeing U.S. allies work with people that he really could not stand. And then uh, Aaron Reese talks about kind of his 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 uh, authority uh, issues as kind of how he explained it. But he was talking about like speaking truth to power and um, how everyone on the stage had actually been like really surprisingly kind to him throughout this whole process. And so it was truly just kind of out of nowhere. Like I feel like everyone in the crowd was just sitting there like expecting to hear all of the hits, and then it just got very emotional. And um, 
really intimate and like very respectful. And, you know, it was still, it was still, you know, a mayoral debate. It was still a forum. They were still talking about all of their main like campaign points that they're running on. But I just thought it was a really interesting reflection, like, you know, a week and a half now out from election day on November 7th for these candidates, especially like the front runners, Mayor McLean and Mike Masterson to have this like deep connection on stage. Um, and it was it was just like pretty shocking. And it was, uh, I guess, sometimes, you know, when you're watching elections, it can be uh, a little bit disheartening and it can be just hard to keep track of. It was just nice to see people connecting in that way. That is really surprising. Can't believe I missed it, to be honest. I mean, you know me, that's entirely my jam. So. Yeah, it is. But that is, I, I, I'm glad that they were able to get that because I do feel like that's something these debates have been lacking for me is a real sense of who any of these candidates are as human beings. Um, because typically with these, you do get these canned answers. It's it's a real stark contrast. And no, no, uh, I'm not criticizing KTVB's debate between uh, Mike Masterson and Mayor Lauren McLean at all, but it had very much the opposite feel of what you're describing. Yes. Very like uh, standard cut and dry answers, not a ton of back and forth between the candidates. So I, I'm, I, it's really interesting that that ended up like that. Yeah, it was interesting to see all of their reverence for one another, actually. Um, and it was kind of an interesting crowd for it as well, because it was, you know, a lot of the city council candidates stayed around for it. And so it was them, a lot of campaign staff folks, and not a ton of other people. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, because it was just such an interesting, like, not a lot of people were there for this, yeah, emotional connection that kind of sprung out of nowhere, it felt like. I lay some of the blame on the campaigns for not being able to navigate mm -hmm. making things personal. Because everything is personal, certainly at a city level. And I have known Mike Masterson for quite some time. And I know of two other stories um, that involved uh, his professional work as, as chief here that were extremely emotional and personal. So, but I, you know, his campaign probably, number one, doesn't know about them. Number two, doesn't think that there's value to that. But you know, let's 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 paint a word picture with these people. Let's let's make them human beings, right? And then Lauren McLean, I've known her for years, long before she was even in public service. But the fact is, just a few years ago, there were people outside her home with pitchforks and torches at the height of the pandemic, and she had to navigate that and then face her family and say, "Is this worth it?" Is this worth it? I think people can relate to all of these stories. Aaron Reese's story is heartbreaking. For goodness sakes, Joe Evans, is he's, he is the very definition of working poor. And how many people can relate to that? So uh, I also lay this at the feet, quite frankly, of my brethren, of my colleagues, not being able to, to truly throw out the rule book of what a forum, a debate, or, you know, an event should look like. For gosh sakes, throw away the talking points. I, you know, Blake, that that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, I think that to your to your point, or I guess to the campaign's credit, I think that they are taking your note. I think that this really does feel like a bit of a turning point. Maybe too late. Yeah, maybe yeah. too late. We're we're a week, we're ten yeah. days out. Um, but it did kind of 
it had that energy of like, okay, let's all settle down and let's be people. I don't have a ton of experience. Is this, is this George, kind of how it maybe always goes? Is like you have to wait until the yeah. candidates are exhausted enough <laughs> to finally get to a point where they are that no longer it. able to regurgitate talking points easily? Like, does this always kind of happen toward 10 days out, you know? Not always, but quite frankly, it's usually one or two things that trigger that. Um, so it's usually a conversation that they had maybe in the last week or, you know, you knock on enough doors and you talk to enough people, you know, you will find something to relate to. And most of the things that we relate to are usually personal. We talk a lot about the debate over the zoning code, right? Well, anyone that was there that night of that vote remembers, and there weren't many people physically there, but but it, that was an incredibly emotional night. Yeah, the vote was unanimous, and those are the numbers, and these are the exceptions to the rule, but that night was highly charged and emotional. Capture that. Tell that story. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, that kind of came up. I saw some criticism of uh, both candidate, uh, candidates actually after the KTVB debate, feeling like neither one of them talked about policy a whole lot uh, in the KTVB debate. And I, I think the questions they did, um, you know, this, those guys did an amazing job with the questions and, and moderating. But at the same time, and, and some of the follow-up questions, like you said, like were really illuminating for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely, I saw some people criticizing Mayor McLean saying, well... It seemed like she uh, kind of kicked the can over on on zoning code specifically down over to city council saying, well, that's who they voted for it. That's mm-hmm. them. They voted for it. Instead of maybe just like really owning the fact that she wanted that vote and she really pushed for it and saying, I think it's right for Boise, not saying, well, your representatives decided to do that. But I did see another really interesting thing actually during that in a follow-up question. And, and, and maybe I'm misreading this, but it seemed to me that when they asked them about some of the recent abortion laws that have gone through and McLean reiterated uh, her stance that the city of Boise would not be pushing to investigate doctors and women for abortion violations and saying like, you know, we're that we're not going to make that a priority in the city of Boise. And then when they asked Mike Masterson about it, he said, essentially, well, I think you can't pick and choose which laws to mm-hmm. enforce. And I mean, from my own experience yep. with the police, yes, you can. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They do it all the time. So for goodness sakes. I mean, so does that mean when the legislature tells the city of Boise you cannot have an energy code. When the legislature tells the city of Boise you have no say in whether they even to ask voters if there should be a local option tax. When the legislature says, hey, the city of Boise, no, you can't have your own minimum wage no matter what your economy is. It's like at what point uh, is leadership defined by, hey, sorry, yeah, you may pass these laws because you're a supermajority, but that's not where we are, or at least can we not have a conversation? I did a sit down with with Mike Masterson this week too that will air next week, and I gave him another opportunity uh, to walk that back, but he doubled down mm-hmm. and on on the issue of abortion restrictions. And it's like, so basically what we're saying here is that you are okay with the Boise Police Department investigating and or arresting a woman and or a healthcare provider because of the change that was just passed through the legislature. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I just want to say, too, in the KTVB debate, he did not waffle on it at all. Like, the question was, 
would you change the directive to, um, you know, stop preventing law enforcement investigations into people seeking abortions or their health care providers? And he said, absolutely. So, but, but again, and this is kind of the problem that's come up with Masterson many times throughout this campaign. The follow-up question is, okay, well, what is your policy? Do you just get rid of that resolution that the city passed? Um, which, yeah, like I said, that, that has come up with several other issues, but he just said that he would change it. So no, no question on when, no question on exactly what that would look like, which is scary. Yeah. Yeah. That is the definition of, quite frankly, a big city mayor. A big city mayor has to navigate the city mm-hmm. and, def- and, and, and get a sense of where the city is, as opposed to what's going on at the Capitol. It happens all across this nation, if not all around the world mayors basically stepping up for their city. I'm not saying Mike Masterson is wrong. I guess what I am saying is I'm really surprised that there's no nuance. Yeah. Yeah. When he said, you know, that I think he sort of implied in that same debate that like uh, Mayor McLean doesn't have a good working uh, relationship with the legislature because she pushes back on a lot of the laws they make. And he was like, if I was mayor, I would have a better working relationship with the legislature. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've lived in I've lived in Boise since 1990. Like, we've never had a great relationship with the legislature, not since Cecil, Cecil Andrus has been gone, you know? Like, I, I think it's gotten worse and worse over the years, obviously, especially in the last five. And the last time I checked, there were two parties over at that building. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one may have the majority. So in other words, relationship with the legislature, I am certain yeah. uh, that both candidates have a decent relationship with some people over there. Um, but to say uh, not just because you you disagree with the majority doesn't mean you don't have a good relationship with the legislature. George, you said that you had something about the Masterson campaign that you wanted to talk about. So why don't why don't you give us give us the juice on that? What's going on? So I had never heard of this. So help me out, guys. Have you ever heard of something called Boise Insight? Yes, I <laughs> have not. No, Blake has. So <laughs> just in the past like two weeks, I think I know where mm. this is going. But carry on. Yeah. So I did not. Uh, that said, I don't spend a lot of time kind of circling the drain um, because there's a lot of nonprofits and uh, uh, that certainly some surface in a political year and go away as soon as the election's over. So according to their website, they are a nonprofit public benefit corporation uh, that says too much of the local media relies on friendly relationships with local government, big business, and their legions of PR professionals. Okay, fine. That's great. I, I actually agree with some of that. Um, but uh, so, and someone had to point me to this that has no dog in the fight of this campaign. And they said, uh, have you read their editorial where they support Mike Masterson's campaign? It's like, no, why would I? Um, it's like, well, you need to read it. And in this editorial, and I'm going to quote it here, it says, a Boise State Public Radio News article perfectly describes the dichotomy between the two candidates. McLean, quote, My biggest concern is hearing my name on the radio or seeing my name in print. Masterson, quote, My biggest concern is making a difference. This is so far out of context, it's barely in the same solar system. So folks, if you know anyone at Boise Insight and you are listening, please share with them what the truth is. And here it comes. 
That quote from Mayor McLean goes back to 2011. By the way, it wasn't Boise State Public Radio either, and there, there is no article that says that. I interviewed uh, Lauren McLean before she ever stepped into public service. Uh, she had been asked by then Mayor Dave Beter to be a Boise on the Boise City Council. And so I said, hey, can we have coffee and just talk about what your expectations are, et cetera. And at the end of that conversation, I said, and, and like, what's your biggest fear? And she says, oh my gosh, just like, it's just seeing my name in print or hearing on the radio. It's like, that. that's so foreign to me. That's what she said. That's what she said. And that was the context, right? Mike Masterson, when he said, my biggest concern is making a difference, he said that a couple of weeks ago, right? To put these on the, you know, to correlate these two is like, is so far off the mark. And then to make that a pillar of your editorial and endorsement for someone, <laughs> guys, knock it off, knock it off. Yeah. And it's interesting because we've seen quite a lot of this with the Masterson McLean, like stuff that he isn't doing that he can disavow, but that his supporters are doing. Like, I don't know if you saw on the Mike Masterson uh, Facebook page, uh, like, you know, people for Mike Masterson Facebook page, someone had posted a very, very racist video. Oh, yeah. Extremely racist puppet video and uh, saying that police unions support Mike Masterson. And we also have that pack ad that went out that was very anti-LGBTQ, that was very fear-mongering. From the building group, right. Building group, yeah. That, you know, over and over, these supporters of Mike Masterson seem to be doing these things that he can disavow, but that are very incendiary, racist, or just plain inaccurate, like in this case with Boise Insights. Yeah, so. and th by the way, this is not a political action committee. You know, this is, this is an organization that is kind of putting itself out there as an alternative to the media, if not their own media. Yeah. And and on their editorial board, uh, you know, is uh, someone from communications from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, a civil engineer at the uh, Boise Parks Association, an attorney, uh, David King here in Boise, another attorney, Brian Ertz. These are, these are supposed to be really smart people, and that's the editorial board. It's like, guys, you couldn't have been further off the mark. I rarely, I, I could give a rat's ass about what someone thinks about what I say or don't say, but at least get it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also I, I want to point out that uh, at least as of like 1130 on Thursday morning, as we're recording this, uh, Masterson has not disavowed that uh, racist video that was like put on his supporters oh. page, which of course, you know, so many, <laughs> that this, if he does, this will be the third thing he's had to disavow in the last month. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, also, I just want to just for just for fun, point out that uh, the woman who made the video, the woman from Eagle, uh, who made the video, a white woman, when people on Twitter were like, this is the most racist thing I've ever seen. She said, it can't be racist. It's a puppet. And uh, mm -hmm. I just thought I just wanted people to <laughs> hear that coming out that like it couldn't possibly be racism because a puppet was doing it kind of feels a, a little, I don't know, sort of encompasses sort of that that vibe of having people talk really serious shit for you and then being able to be like, it's a puppet. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I It's not me. It's a puppet, you know? For like, the record, I, I, and I've known Mike Masterson professionally for as long as he's been in Idaho. He would, like, this is absolute nonsense at best and in, incredibly uh, repulsive. Uh, and he would probably be the second to say that. 
Uh, so yeah. you can't control the people who like you. That said, if they think they're helping you, it's like you guys yeah. couldn't be further off base. I had a fan page on Facebook and uh, I kept tabs on it because people are, you know, would post wild stuff and I would have to delete it and have to block people and ended up deleting uh, the fan page entirely because I was like, no thanks, you know. So I think like you are you are a little bit responsible for your followers. If you mm -hmm. have, you know, people saying that stuff, you need to be very, very clear and be very, very willing to lose followers, lose supporters who do that sort of thing and and be extremely clear. So, so yeah, interest. that's very interesting about the Boise Insight thing, George. That's uh, what, And again, one more thing, and I know I've said this before, but ugly politics somehow does not get as much traction in the city of Boise as it mm -hmm. would on a national level and even as it's at a state level. The person I saw tweet the puppet thing was Mayor McLean's campaign manager. And I think that was very <laughs> smart to say well, this is this is what the other side is is using to promote their guy. You know, I think that's probably smart campaign managing right there to because yeah, Boise hates that crap, right? Like Boise does anytime anybody's gone real low like that, Boise is not not yeah. into it. So well, we're just about out of time, but I want to hear what you doing this weekend. We got fun plans, either of you. Do y'all know uh, Ming Studios downtown? Yes. Okay. And they just got a car smashed into them. Am I remembering that right? Uh, so I think in like March or April, okay. uh, a truck just ran into the side of the building. There was a massive hole. Um, and it took a while to patch up. They were also fixing up, fixing up the floor and stuff, too. But they are reopening this weekend. And... Um, I have a couple friends who are involved in like a recent film project um, about like INL and radioactive waste. So that's opening this weekend. So I just want to shout out Ming. I think that they do a lot of cool stuff. And now that they're back on their feet, they're probably going to need people to be going to their events and whatnot. So going to be doing that. And um, then probably a couple Halloween things. But honestly, Halloween feels pretty mellow this year. And I'll take it. I'm watching mm -hmm. scary movies at home, but that's pretty much it. That's great. What about you, George? Well, speaking of which, I am revisiting a scary movie uh, this weekend. I only try to watch it no more than once a year. A uh, shameless plug on my show this week, I had a woman who wrote a book about the history of The Exorcist. Mm. And uh, it I, was really interesting. And what she didn't know, and if I can just share just for a couple seconds here, I have my own little connection to that. Oh, I was certainly around when it opened 50 years ago in 1973. But when I was a freshman in college in 1975, my theology professor and I went to a Franciscan university. He was a priest. He was a Franciscan. Uh, he was a friar, but a priest. And the course was psychical research. And he, in the 70s, worked for the Vatican um, in an institute that would investigate and debunk possible possessions. In other words, people would say things, but it was their job to debunk them, saying it was psychosis or whatever. He investigated and was involved in the original case. And by the way, The Exorcist is based on a real case. The original case of a boy in Maryland who indeed was possessed and that the Vatican agreed to an exorcism. And uh, Father Alphonsus Trebold was, uh, was my teacher. And uh, a couple of years later, when I was out of college and I hosted my first radio, I hosted a talk show and I had him on the show. He was, I think, in his 80s. And, uh, and he passed away two months later. But for 90 minutes, we talked about the original case 
that the movie that the book and then the movie was based on and bottom line he said it was much much worse than any book uh could you know and and how that book portrayed and i said are you kidding me because you know that you know people passed out you know when that movie came out people were you know throwing up like crazy in the bathroom and you know they it, it was insane you know, when that movie came out. And to this day, it's, it's considered one of the most provocative, if not one of the most terrifying movies in history. Uh, so I'm going to revisit that after having that conversation with her because it really unearthed uh, a lot of memories for me. Wow. Where can we hear that 90-minute interview? <laughs> yeah. Where, where you got that in the yeah. archives, George? I need to hear that. Well, it's uh, he was this meek little bony man, you know, with brown, I mean, brown robe and the rope belt. I mean, the whole thing. And he, and he, and he giggled like that. And, but he <laughs> like was- Like a ghost? Well, <laughs> but, but he, but, you know, part of the theology course was about psychical research, right? And poltergeist and all that. But what was true and what wasn't? I don't believe in any of this nonsense until I ran into him and uh, the Washington Post wrote an article about this, about the original case of that boy who was possessed. And so it was in the Post. William Peter Blatty, the author, said, oh, I want to write a book about that. Well, nobody would go on the record. So he turned it into a work of fiction and made it into The Exorcist. One other real quick story. So, so, the, move, so the book, when it came out, it did not do well, but he was booked on the Dick Cavett show, which was a big late night show on ABC opposite Johnny Carson. And Robert Shaw, who was the star of Jaws, who liked to drink, was on, was the main guest. And he was bombed that night. And 50 minutes into the show, ABC said, get him off the air, get that author in here. And William Peter Blatty, for the better part of an hour and 15 minutes, talked about possession in America and this exorcism. The book became the wow. number one book in the United <laughs> States. It was a huge bestseller. Um, and Hollywood's like, oh, wow, this would make a great movie. They hire the director who just won the Oscar for directing The French Connection, and you're off to the races. The Exorcist wow. was nominated for 10 Oscars. I mean, it, it took horror movies like to a new level. This wow. was not on my bingo card today. No, it was not at all. I'm, I'm sorry, wow. guys. It's like what, what like it's like amazing. I, like, so many dots connect there. So yeah, yeah, you're like the Kevin Bacon of The Exorcist. Like you have all these connections, six <laughs> yeah. degrees of separation to The Exorcist. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I am going to be cleaning my house because we have a big Halloween party every year. Uh, pretty much mostly just family, but a few friends. Uh, but I have a very large family, as some people know. What and does a so Halloween a big... party look like, by the way, at your house? Oh what does that entail? So, so I've been doing this for 20 years. Since my kids were babies, I've been having this Halloween party. And it used to be so big. And I was like full, I was, you know, I was a homemaker. So it was full Martha Stewart, all the little, all the Love little it. treats, all the little handmade everything. Um, and every year I would do a different theme. Like one year I set up downstairs and I had like a tent and kids would come in and I was dressed up like a fortune teller and I would tell their fortunes. And like, we did wow. something fun like that. One year we did a, like a haunted maze in the basement. Like we did something different every single year. So your basement is big enough to have a maze. Well, it used to be my, oh, okay. it used to be, but, um, <laughs> But then, um, and it was, and it was so many kids, partly from my, I have a ton of nieces and nephews, but also we would invite a bunch of people and it was so big. 
you would have um, matching um, glow bracelets and necklaces. So you would be like, these kids and these adults are green group. You're in charge of keeping track of the kids in green group. And then we would go trick-or-treating and we would have this horde of children. And when we would knock on the doors, people would be like, ah. And it would just be like all these kids. And you would be like, green group with me. And it was so organized, okay? It was so organized. But over the years, I've gotten more and more tired. And obviously my kids are older now. So, and I keep trying to not do it. Also, Tuesday, October 31st, is my wedding anniversary. We got married on Halloween, which I didn't do the math on having to every year on my wedding anniversary still have a party. I've been trying to stop doing it for years and my family's always like, nope, you can't. Not acceptable. Emma, do you dress up? I think this year what I'm doing is, I saw it on TikTok, I'm going to be Demi Moore from Ghost and I'm going to print out a big Patrick Swayze head and put it on my shoulder and then have like a little like pot on a thing around my neck you know, from this, the iconic ghost scene of, wow. you know, playing with the pot. So, so yeah, that Potter's is uh, maybe my costume. I wasn't going to dress up, but my kids got mad that I said I wasn't going to this year. They do every year. I'm like, I don't have time. And they're like, it's Halloween. So, okay, Blake, uh, we'll what, see. You, uh, will you put a costume on? Uh, kind of. Uh, so, yes. But my partner and my roommate and I are huge uh, fans of Boy Genius, which is like this indie band. Um, and so we're dressing up as Boy Genius. And oh, cute. Uh, so I'm going to be Lucy Dacus. And we <laughs> all bought – this is the kicker. <laughs> we we kind of use this as an excuse. Uh, we uh, bought matching suits from Banana Republic. They were on like a really good sale. Amazing. Um, and so we're going to have matching suits and we're getting like little like tooth enamel pins and like other pins and stuff. It's inspired by their Rolling Stone cover. Um, mm. So, Yeah. That, that's well, now the I feel, and we're literally just amazing. going to someone's house. Like, oh, okay. I was going to say, will you hit the town like that? Because that sounds cool. Uh, probably not. Okay. Probably not, but oh, we'll wow. see. George, what's your costume? Uh, I'm going as a public defender this year. Ooh, sexy. I like it. <laughs> nice. I'm into it. Well, I yeah. love it. Like, I cannot wait to see photos of this boy genius costume. Maybe that's a newsletter item for next week so people mm, can see how Maybe. Cute. <laughs> I'm testing different red lipsticks because Lucy Dacus has, like, a signature, like, oh, red. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm testing them. But. Perfect. Wow. Okay. Well, ha- happy almost Halloween to both of you, Halloween weekend, and thanks for being here. This was a great one. I appreciated hearing all your takes. Thanks, Emma. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks so much. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Evelyn Avitia, A.K. Almutman, Grant Irving, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Adrian Gonzalez and Natalia Aldana. And our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye!